powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Welcome to Game Over Cup Final. I'm here with two amazing people, Julian McKenzie, Peter Klein, and I see already in the comments that people miss Harnish and Arman and Rahef and... Rahef will not be with us for Game Over Cup Final because she's vacationing in Jordan, having a way better time than all of us. Uh, so she won't be with us, but Harnish and Arman will join us. So will Audi throughout this Cup Final as we rotate our cast of Game Over hosts. But, but for now, you have us here. Uh, and before we get into it, we've got to tell you Sports Interaction has updated. Oh, sorry, that's not the <laughs> part of the read. Get in on the Stanley Cup final action. Lightning versus Avalanche at Sports Interaction, Canada's sports book. Bet before the game starts live in play. Or will Nikita Kucherov continue to lead the way for the Lightning? Doing it right since 1997, Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all your sports bet all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus, please play responsibly. So we saw one of the most thrilling game ones of a Stanley Cup final that I can remember. Two teams that are unquestionably elite. Uh, speed and frenetic offense from the Colorado Avalanche and pushback and defensive prowess and commitment from the Tampa Bay Lightning. This is exactly what we all wanted, right? Yo, this is exactly what we wanted. When we looked at the matchup, we said we wanted high-quality play from these two teams, and we at least got it in game one. I don't know how uh, both coaches will adjust from here on out, and maybe we're going to be in for a dud or two. Sometimes that's what happens in these finals. But at least to start off the Stanley Cup final where we're getting two high quality teams, I don't think you could ask for a better start, honestly. Like even the people who are all like, oh, I wanted to still see the goalies be good. Like there weren't even like, you know, five or six goals scored on each side. We didn't even get like an eight or nine, six game, you know, four, three. I think people can live with that. The offensive people, the defensive people, all that. We can all live with that scoreline plus an OT winner. Like that was that was one of the, I that was one of the more enjoyable cup final game experiences I've had in a while. Mm. Oh, totally. And and all due respect to to Vasilevsky and and uh, any other goalie who gets into this. I hope they're miserable for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I I want this to look like that. I, and this is this is what we want. And, and all all due respect to the team that you guys have covered and to the Dallas Stars, but it hasn't looked like that with Tampa Bay before. And now, hundred percent. We are now getting the, the the scene in the background of, of Julian there. We are getting Ali Frazier. We are getting the scene in Dark Knight Rises where Batman and Bane have thrown everyone aside and they're staring at each other and they're about to throw down and we don't know what's going to happen. We just know it's going to be amazing for the next two weeks. And it was. It was awesome. I have chills talking about it. I am so excited that we are getting the two best teams in the National Hockey League facing each other. And I know there's a lot of different ways we can go, but the, the one takeaway that I had coming out of this game, if I'm the other 30 NHL franchises and I even dream tomorrow that, Oh, I'm close to these guys. I better wake up and apologize because it is that's two Ali references in one rant. Uh, it is just so crazy how much better these two teams are than everyone else in the league right now. And we got it on full display in game one. It was, Oh, it was amazing. Dude, like the speed, the depth, like, yeah. 
I just the, like there's so many other teams that do not have that. They would kill to have stuff like that. Just see like the Colorado Avalanche had Nathan McKinnon doing his best to try to cut in and make chances happen. And they didn't even need him to be at his best because they still got goal scoring from all these different other players in their lineup, which I still think is it was a big asset for them entering this series. And Tampa, Andrew already mentioned like the pushback from them, like I, a team like Tampa, if you have them on the ropes, you have to bury them. But we've seen it in almost every round with the exception of the Florida series where when they seem to be down, they find some gear and wake up and then just kind of try to roll over teams. And they almost did that with the, with the momentum that they were generating down 2-0, down 3-1. They found a way to come back. I know Andre Vasilevsky a little tough on those first few goals, but he was able to keep his team in the game as long as he could up until the overtime. I man, just Tampa. Like I don't know if people are, are are writing them off after game one because of how fast the Avalanche are. I still expect them to split. My expectation was that after game two, it would be a one-one series. And if I'm Tampa, I feel pretty good about that game one because they were still able to hang in there. And I think they could, if they just clamp down a little bit better defensively, they could they could get game two. Like this is yeah. very much not over. And and if people are thinking that man, Colorado completely outclassed Tampa. You are so wrong. Yeah, I feel like, you know, on balance, Colorado was the better team, but Tampa was not run out of the building at any point, mm-hmm. right? Like, even when it was 3-1, and I know that Colorado did hold a, a huge edge at even strength, the Tampa Bay Lightning are just, they're another kind of team, right? And and you talk about the pushback, the ability that they have to just not be on the ropes or, or come back from being on the ropes, Nobody's been able to take them out. And then Another alley somebody, reference. Yeah, nobody's been <laughs> able to take them out until somebody actually does it. I never believe it's going going to happen, right? Like I thought they would lose in the first round against Toronto just because I thought I thought this team after 2 years with shortened summers, with compressed seasons in during COVID, with all the injuries they've dealt with, they would be tired. They don't look tired. Like I I think they are easily the best team of this era. I, like the reason why they don't look tired is has to do a lot with some of those newer players like a Brandon Hagel or 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 Nick Paul just bringing in that energy throughout the lineup. And I think when you see those guys get themselves going, you can't help but get yourself going along with those guys. But yeah, there's been so many instances uh, where they look tired, they look down for the rest of the team anyway, but they still find a way to battle back through a series. And this just today, tonight was just one of those instances where instead of starting off a series, just, you know, in the first round series against Toronto, they did this where in the opening game of the series, they allowed all those goals. They were out of it. I think at the start of the Rangers series, they were down. And I think that was where Vasilevsky allowed like five or six goals against the Rangers. We're like, oh, okay, the Rangers look really good. This game, they found a gear within themselves and said, okay, we are not letting this game get away from us. That was an impressive effort on the part of them battling back. And I still give them marks for the way that they played, even though that they lost. But again, Tampa is not out of the wood. Like if you think they're going to lose this series, don't, don't, don't cross them off just yet. I, I really think if I'm Tampa Bay right now, I have no problem going into game two down one. No, we, they would battle back. They've battled back before in the playoffs after being down one. Oh, in a series, it's, it's no time to panic for these guys. Not even with Vasilevsky. 
And when you think about it, like we, there's a very real chance we just saw Vasilevsky's worst game of the series. Yeah. And they still yeah. went to overtime and they still before overtime, Hedman had the puck in the slot shorthanded and it was a diving effort to That's take it right. away from him. Like they were still that close to winning this game when they were, I would say, outplayed and their goalie was yeah, at best. And they were still right there. And th- this team is always just right there. And you think of the adversity that they've gone through over the last little bit. I get everyone had a bit of an issue with how they handled the salary cap with the Kucherov thing. They still were a playoff team without one of the best players in the league. And then like, you, you look at last year, I believe it was last year. It all kind of blends. They, they had Steven Stamkos for like 25 seconds of the playoffs and yeah. they still won. And this year, Brayden and he Boyd, scored. Yeah. Yeah. He came right. out, scored on his one shift. out. Yeah, and like, that was baller. Oh, man. One of the coolest things I've seen. Um, And this year, like Brayden Point just skips a couple of series because he's having a hip issue and they look like the exact same team. This team has always faced adversity and just kind of laughed in its face. And even then that they pointed out on on the broadcast tonight, it's three to one. The crowd's going crazy. They're singing alt rock songs from the 90s. And John Cooper looks like he's watching scrimmage of uh, like Timbits practice. Like he is calm, cool and collected. That's this whole team. That that is what they are always going to be they could be down three nothing and down four nothing in game four and i'm still not going to count them out this is it's that clip that they played at the start of the the nba finals for years that never underestimate the heart of a champion Champion. tampa bay proves that time and time and time and time and time again and we saw it again tonight i think it's the fact that like tampa has played so many games they've been in so many situations in the playoffs and to bring back that year where they got thoroughly embarrassed by columbus like, I feel like there's a lot of guys who were, who were on that team and experienced that. They feel, look, it cannot ever get any worse than what they endured. And, like, there's something liberating about experiencing something like that and then just, like, not feeling too much pressure. I Not to skip ahead here, but I want to shout out the Avalanche real quick. And even though they allowed three goals at the start of that game, I did not expect them to play as tight defensively as they did. And like we're and and I'm not just talking about the amount of shots that they allowed, which is like probably still in the 20s because because they outshot the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight. But in that first part of the game, especially, we're talking about zone entries being denied and turnovers being caused and on man rushes, counterattacks going the other way. Like I did not expect the Colorado Avalanche to look better defensively than Tampa. Everyone going into this series made the comment about how if Tampa wants to, they can have the five guys behind the line blocking shots, doing everything they can to preserve a lead or to help out Andre Vasilevsky. But I feel as if with the way Colorado played defensively, using their sticks to create turnovers and and turning it into offense, that's what stood out to me the most. And I wonder if Tampa was shocked at that. I just feel as if Colorado did so much especially before Tampa was actually getting goals up on the board with the way they play defense. I think they deserve a ton of credit for how they play. 100%. It's hard. Nine days, I think, or eight or nine days between games to come in and have that playoff like swagger, that that effort, like the next effort, the timing, everything on point. Their practices must have been insanely oh. intense. I know Jared Man. Bednar has been a coach for a long time that I've looked at as like a very good playoff prep coach. He proved it again with the way his club prepared itself tonight. It, they were fantastic. Again, without Nazem Kadri, uh, Sam Gerrard, I don't think he's coming back at all for sure. No, he's not coming playoffs. back at all. And uh, like Kadri, I think is close, but not a guarantee. So there's, there's something there. Like they've missed some big time players and they did dominate at even strength tonight. They were by far the better team. And 
you know, Kale McCarr was a little bit off in terms of uh, like his offense. He, he was doing good things, but he couldn't get the puck on the net. Strange game for him, but uh, overall, really impressive game from the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche. I'll throw a question to you guys. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of the, what Julian's talking about with the Colorado Avalanche and the commitment to defense and being a bit surprising, I feel like the Avalanche kind of get shortchanged a little bit on the defensive side because people look at the goals against in these playoffs and the blown leads. But a lot of that has been Darcy Kemper. Now, I wonder if the Avalanche didn't pay an arm and a leg for Darcy Kemper in this offseason, would he have started this game with the way he's played in these playoffs compared to Pavel Frensu's? I think I think you probably would have um, NHL teams are kind of weird about like this guy was our starter. You can't lose your job to injury. So we're going to stay behind our guy and, and go with that. If that's the right decision to make, I, I don't know. But I think Colorado would have um, just because teams do tend to, to stay a little bit loyal to their guys. I, I, I will agree with Peter here. Like, I mean, pretty much up until like last year where we saw the big money matchup with Andre Vasilevsky and Carey Price. We've actually been seeing for the last pretty much since the salary cap has been a thing. We've actually seen quite a handful of games or quite full of Stanley Cup matchups where the goalie is on either side or at least on one side. They're not making all that much. So let's say they, they paid Darcy Kemper like way less, but he was really good. I don't think money is the biggest thing that holds them back here in, in making a decision. So, yeah, I think if Darcy Kemper was the guy, whether he's making 1.6 or 6 million, they put him in. All right. I, I wonder if it was the smartest decision. I don't think he was awful tonight. Like, I know he was taking a lot of shots. I think the third goal he allowed was not great, uh, frankly, the the Sergachev goal. But mm. I saw a lot of people talking, like, at the point when he allowed three goals, like, oh, three goals on 15 shots. He's really blowing this game. Vasilevsky also allowed three goals in the first 15 shots. It's just that after that, he was a brick wall for two periods, (laughs) you know, but I feel like that's what you expect from Vasilevsky is like, he's going to be able to shut the door. And as much as like from the avalanche point of view, I look at this series and I'm worried Ken Kemper match Vasilevsky, but it's clear from tonight, like he doesn't necessarily have to match Vasilevsky. He has to be able to hold them in it until they can get past Vasilevsky. I think that's the biggest challenge for Tampa in this is can they actually slow down the Colorado Avalanche? And we had a question in the stream chat saying, do you guys think game two is a must-win game for the Lightning? Personally, I do. Is Yes, mm-hmm. the Lightning came back down two against the Rangers. The Rangers are not the Colorado Avalanche. No, I, I think if you... Oh, sorry. I, I think if you're Tampa Bay an opportunity for you to win game two and then go back to your home ice for the next two games and generate that momentum and try to sustain it. That's always better than trying to battle back from 2-0 and making it tough on yourself. That being said, yes, the Tampa Bay Lightning are coming off a series where they did that. And I still think with, with the way that game one went and the experience that John Cooper's had in this po- in these postseasons, it wouldn't surprise me if the game plan kind of changes a little bit. They play a lot better defensively and they find a way to neutralize this Colorado Avalanche, Colorado Avalanche offense, and they steal game two in some way. So it wouldn't actually be a surprise to me. I, I consider it a must win for them. And yeah, I, I actually envision a scenario where it's like 1-1 after two games. 
I, I don't think it's a, a must win just yet. Um, in part, I, I kind of have to double down. I just went on a, a long soliloquy about how Tampa Bay's never out of it. Uh, so it would be weird for me to then say, oh, two nothing, they're screwed. So um, just to just to say that I'm right, uh, I, I'm going to say it's not necessarily a must win. But like we were talking about before, this Tampa Bay Lightning team has seen every situation and have come out of it all right over the last couple of years. And so while down two nothing against Colorado would not be ideal, the the momentum of that I think stops as soon as they enter their home arena and that place is going um, at, at full tilt in ways that they only they can do right they got weird lightning going on everywhere like I, I think that that place is going to be nuts and right as soon as they walk in that door, that momentum is gone. We saw it in the Rangers series. Um, we, we saw it at times uh, against the Leafs as well. Like that, that place, as much as we like to make fun of Florida, that place is a bit of a different animal. So I, I don't think that dropping the first couple in Colorado would be an absolute death sentence. I wouldn't recommend it, but I don't think it absolutely kills them. I think I want to just add this one thing because I'm trying to remember if I, I think I overheard this uh, on a Twitter space earlier today. And you can double check me if I'm wrong here. I don't think the Colorado Avalanche have lost a game on the road in the playoffs this year. I need to double uh, check that for myself, but I don't think they have. And if that is very much the case, then game two is everything. Because especially if you go down 2 owner in a series, and then you have to go home and a team that's been really good on the road. Uh, like, yeah, you want to give yourself every opportunity to make the journey back a little easier. So I would consider if, if, if I need to, again, I, I, I overheard it earlier in the day. I probably should have double checked it for myself before I came on here, but considering how good Colorado has been all postseason, I don't think I'm that wrong in saying that they've been good on the road this postseason. So if you're Tampa Bay, you should get out of Dodge with at least one win in Colorado before you go home. I mean, they've only lost twice the whole playoffs. So yeah. They're, they're, they're so, yeah. There's a pretty good chance. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good chance of right. No kidding. You don't have a lot to play with on that one. Yeah. Um, but no, and that, that's a fair point. Like Colorado is just, like we said before, they're just better than everybody. So um, it, it is tricky to, to fall behind to nothing. But I, I just feel like we saw in this game, like I, I would suggest falling behind three to one in Colorado isn't a great way to go about things. And they do end up losing this game. But like we talked about before, they came damn close to not losing this game. So I, I still think that there, there would be a little bit more for this Tampa Bay team to, to give even down to nothing. Yeah. Uh, one thing that keeps coming up in my head, I don't know if you guys saw it, but Dmitry Filipovich tweeted this. It's like nine days ago now. Kale McCarr and Dev Devin Taves have been in the lineup now after this game 79 times together for the Colorado Avalanche. Now, I know that Nikita Kucherov and Andre Palat made them look hilariously bad for a second there on that uh, second Tampa Bay Lightning goal, which was absolutely freaking gorgeous. But together, when those guys are in the lineup for the Colorado Avalanche this year, they are 64 9 and six. Jeez. And I just look at that and I'm like, you're not beating that team in seven games. You no, know, they, they, they are too strong. Like I thought the Oilers with McDavid and dry just playing on fuego and, you know, Mike Smith running hot and cold, that they'd maybe steal a couple, at least one. And the avalanche would just, no, it's not oh, happening. And, I think the Tampa Bay Lightning will steal a couple, but I, I'm just I cannot bet against the Avalanche in this. Like they are so friggin' good, and we got to give them their flowers, right? We got to remember this is all off one game because For sure. and it's and and a lot and a lot of times we see in the playoffs what we see in game one does not always carry over 
into game two. That Although, being said, different vibes for Arturi Lekkinen after this game one than last year, eh? <laughs> very true. Very true. Very last year, true. Completely run out of the building, right? And this year, I, very different. The Lightning uh, did not. I mean, they only lost the one game in that series. I think they they made the point too. I don't think they were down to, by two goals at any point. No. in that Stanley Cup final last year against the Montreal Canadiens, and they found themselves down two pretty early on in that first period. That was a very remarkable game played by Colorado. I'll say this about Devin Tays. Uh, renewed appreciation or or newfound appreciation for the way that he plays defense in that pairing. We look at how Kale McCarr plays in, this, uh, McCarr plays in the skating ability. I think he's the closest we have in the NHL to a point guard in the NBA with the head fakes and the skating ability and what he's able to do. Devin Tays is able to provide that offensive ability, but what he's able to do on defense, I saw that a lot in the Edmonton series where uh, a play is developing with a one-on-one situation with two other completely different guys and Devin Tays is able to kind of swoop in uh, on a shot and and just provide that extra safety help for 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 a teammate trying to block a play. Like I, he's been doing so much of that throughout this postseason. He's been such a help for Kale McCarr. And yeah, he he looked a little silly on that Nikita Kucherov play. But who among us hasn't looked silly trying to defend one of the best forwards in the National Hockey League? Well, I mean, the, the we we with- haven't because we've never tried it, right? <laughs> right, <Yeah>. right, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, but like well, the thing with Kale McCarr, like he is so different from actually anyone I've seen in the NHL Uh, in that, like a lot of times when uh, before him, the, the talk about mobile defensemen was, Oh, you're just a winger who can't score very well. So we put you on the blue line, right? Like it's, it's Eric Carlson where we talk ourselves into, you know, he improved defensively and Hmm. it's guys like that, where it's like they, they, they skate really well, but really they're offensive defensemen. We've never seen someone skate that well, play so well offensively and be able to shut down Connor McDavid and for 63 minutes on uh, Nikita Kucherov aside from one little whoop to do like we've never seen someone that good. And when he does want to, to get all crazy and skate up ice, you have Taves behind him who is able to, to kind of be that rock for him. And uh, again, the thought that Colorado, what was it? Two seconds that they gave up for, for this guy who's on like a 75% winning percentage with this team is unbelievable, but that that pairing is perfect. And I, I really think McCarr is the start of another, evolution of defensemen in the national hockey league he's like he's the prototypical guy you should want as a mobile defenseman between him and adam fox if you're trying to envision what a mobile offensive defenseman should look like it comes down to those two guys i know victor hedman a lot of people still put him up on a pedestal a lot of people didn't feel he played all that well uh tonight in game one but that's a different issue but we still think of Victor Hedman as one of the premier defensemen in this league, but I think going forward with the way that the game looks, the way that teams like Colorado look, well, you can we can even throw Edmonton in there a little bit as well. Tampa still has it there. You need someone like a Kale McCarr on your team or, or, or an Adam Fox or anyone of that ilk, I think, if you really want to be taken seriously. Also, I'm not sure what hurts worse for the Islanders or, or, or the Flyers. Like, having... Uh, Kale McCargo fourth overall uh, in the uh, in, in the in the draft or, or or giving up whatever price you, you gave up to get Devin Tate's like Colorado just got those guys for I don't want to say for practically nothing but the fact but, that they were able to make some moves to get them like <laughs> give your head a shake Bobby Clark is still pissed <laughs> he's still I mean, pissed do you be- I mean this is totally off topic but just one word answers do you actually believe Bobby Clark when he says they wanted Kale McCarr, do you think that's hindsight bias? I can, I, I mean, yes, I believe it. 
I don't. I believe. I don't. I, not for a second. I'd be doing the exact it. same thing. I would be banging the table for whoever. And then 10 years later, writing books about how, look, I was the only one saying Kale McCarr, man. I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, don't know, that's man. that's I, my I, thought. I, 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 I believe it. Kale McCarr was a controversial pick back then, right? Because he'd only played in, I think it was like the AJHL, right? He, he, yeah. or, or BCHL, yeah. one of the two. No, AJ. AJHL. So like, he, that's not a league that you usually take guys in the top five. There's rare times like uh, Jonathan Taves, right? Well, I think Jonathan Taves went into college early, so he was beyond that. So it's usually not a feeder league for the top of the draft, right? No one really knew what his ascension was going to look like. So I just don't believe <laughs> maybe they wanted he wanted somebody else other than Nolan Patrick. I believe that part. But I don't believe sure. the Kale McCarr line just because I, I think that was a bit wasn't off the board, but that was still like not a for sure pick when Colorado took him. Uh, we have some people in the chat here mentioning Bo Byram as a guy yeah. who made things happen tonight. And, you know, as the third guy behind uh, McCarr and Taves, he was phenomenal and has been phenomenal all all season. I think Bo Byram is going to win the Masterton next year. I don't know if you guys have read uh, Peter Baugh's like uh, amazing coverage of the issues that he's dealt with with concussions over the last couple of years and how like it looked like his career was actually in jeopardy because of it. He's been so incredible in the playoffs. And even though he only got a secondary assist on the Gabe Landeskog goal, his driving the net on that play opened up the entire lane for for that puck to go through and created that goal so absolutely people in the stream chat shouting out uh, bowen byron who's only 21 years old fantastic game from him tonight i thought he was and one if, of their best players like I, I i thought he was excellent all night and yeah the the concussion stuff like that's um it, it's something that i i've dealt with obviously at different levels uh than he has um but I've, I've had to wear like sunglasses going to work and sometimes like that that is not an easy thing and i just talk into a microphone to to have to recover from that and then turn into a professional hockey player and play at what we have discussed is the highest level this sport's been played at it is remarkable and, and what he's been able to do it's it's a great story and to see him out there not just playing but thriving was great to see Man, just the fact that he is a part of this Colorado defense core, which should be good for a very long time. I know Sam Chicago's not available to them right now, but a defense core with McCarr, Taze, Byram, uh, Girard, and then, I mean, Eric Johnson. I mean, he who knows what his future will be after this. Uh, but just as that as a top four, uh, like that's I think that's pretty great for them going forward. I know they don't have Girard this postseason, but uh that is just such a dope core to have on defense. Yeah. yeah. It, it really does. Like this whole series is like, it's making me look at every NHL team differently. You know, like I, I'm game over Calgary here and I just, I can't imagine being the flames and watching this series and going, well, thank God we have a chance to pay Eric Goodbranson next year. Like it, it just, it really, it really <laughs> changes how you look at every player. Like this is, this is the new level that everyone has to get to. And yeah. it just, it feels like everyone is so far back from that save from maybe a healthy Vegas. But even that, it's like, I'm looking at them a little bit fishy now too. It just, that this whole series is just changing the level I think you need to get to to consider yourself a consistent winner in the National Hockey League. Yeah. I don't I, think I the mean, Rangers I, are that far off, personally. Mm, I think they, they, they can have, get there. They've got the good pieces, right? But they, that's it. They have a good Their foundation. younger guys have to take yeah. the next step. I think you saw, we started to see that in the Tampa Bay series, ironically. That kid line was their best line. My question for the Rangers, and 
we probably shouldn't talk too much about the Rangers for this show, but I just wonder if their kids are going to mature fast enough for Panarin, Zabanajad, and Kreider to still be effective. I think that's their disconnect, right? It's something that the Canadians dealt with, with uh, with their like how separate their core was, right? They had like their older guys and their younger guys, and there was nothing really in the middle. You know, their Price and Webers mm. and Petries and then their younger guys coming up. And, you know, speaking about the Canadians, looking at the, the blue lines of the teams in this, if the Canadians trade Jeff Petrie this offseason, their best defenseman is like Alex Romanoff. Like, I mean, at least it's, a long, the it's a long they way were, to go. It's an uphill I mean, the battle. The Canadians are not expected to, to compete that well next year anyway. No, so look, if, if you're trying to get defense, Connor Bedard, that is a fine blue line, okay? <laughs> yeah, like like Alex Romanov <laughs> being your best defenseman in that particular case, I don't think there's too much to complain about there. No, 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 no for sure. But it's just you, like you, Peter was saying, you see how far most teams are from these two teams, right? In terms of like a complete roster, the depth that they have, it's a reality check for it's, it's one of those finals where yes, you have this fantastic uh, series going on, but it is a reality check for every other team in the league. It's not even about style. It's about how deep these two teams are. Like there's just no escape from them. And I'm, I'm excited for hopefully a lot of teams to take the right lesson from this final and just build good rosters instead of worrying about specific roles. Cause that's one thing that I do like about the Tampa Bay lightning being back here again, is that they have a very smart process in how they do everything, right? Who's replaceable, who's not who to pay, who not to pay. So I am glad that they keep on getting rewarded for their good decision-making. I also think it's so cool that like a team like Tampa uh can just say to hell with first round picks because we're going to be good for a long time and we know how to draft and we have enough guys in the minor league system who could fill in those roles and play well enough for us anyway it's really cool to see how julian brisebois has has maneuvered through all the cap challenges and the lineup challenges that have come to this team over the last how many years it's it's one of the most impressive jobs we've seen in the salary cap era so whenever i hear people say like oh you know uh, they played through the salary cap there. They had 18 mil on LTIR. I'm just like, well, come on. It's something that's available to everybody, and they were able to use it to their advantage. That should not be seen as like cheating or or people. No one should be like, you know, dumping on the lightning for this. We should be commending Julian Brisebois for building a roster with the challenges that have come to his team. Well, and it's not oh, like they took if, a ball peen hammer so comfy, to Kucherov. I give you a standing either. ovation. Like, oh, I, hmm. I agree completely. Sorry. Yeah, I was just, I don't know if uh, you guys heard, but I was just saying, it's not like they took a ball peen hammer to Kucherov's hip to put him out for the season, right? Like he legitimately needed surgery. They didn't even know when the season was going to start when he got the surgery, right? Like if you guys remember, all that was up in the air because of COVID. So it just happened that he took the whole year off and like maybe he could have come back and played the last couple games of the season. But there's a difference between being healthy enough to play and being healthy enough to play in the playoffs. And then if, if you go back and watch those games, Kucherov was probably not healthy enough to play for the first round. Mm-hmm. He just no. played because it was the playoffs. As, and the Lightning still won. Right. Ask Vegas this year how easy it is to just, oh, we'll just throw a couple guys in LTAR and it'll be yep. fine. 
their 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 playoff run uh, was not overly illustrious, if I recall, or not existent. Like it's that's really freaking hard to do, and it just like it this really does to me. And maybe I'm just overstating it because I'm buzzing after one game, but it really does feel to me kind of like Boston in 2011, where the whole league is watching this and it's like, oh, this is what we're supposed to do. Now some teams overcorrected way too much uh, with big bruising hockey or whatever, but it really does feel like this is the oh, this is where the sport is heading now instead of, oh, this is cute. Like this, this feels yeah. like a fork in the road moment for a lot of teams. hundred percent. I mean, how, I mean, I'm not sure how much you can dump on teams wanting to be more talented and getting higher quality players, right? No, so that's perfect. Te- <laughs> that's it's, it's, it's perfect for teams. It's perfect for everyone watching at home. And especially if you are a network like an ESPN getting the rights to the product where it's getting into more and more houses, no disrespect to versus and NBC sports before them, but a lot of people, even though they've cut the cord in recent years with ESPN, a lot of people still watch ESPN and with the way that they've promoted the product and made the NHL look over this last year, just, just making it look shiny and looking at it look nice. Like no better time than now to have the game start to transition to seeing more skill, more offense, more dynamic play, as opposed to bruising, slow, you know, less attractive hockey. And shout out to TNT too. They deserve a lot of credit for what they've done mm-hmm. in the States. And, and of course, for Huston Canada with, with Sportsnet and what they're doing and, you know, TSN with the regional coverage. Yeah, we got a question here from the SDPN admin, which I believe is Jesse Blake. Says, okay. coming up next, would the Leafs have beaten the Avs in the Stanley Cup final? Because as we know, the no. Leafs are... No. For the third time in four years, no. the best first, second best loser of the first round facing off against a team that makes the Stanley Cup final, but all of them Hell have lost, nah. I believe. No. Hell yeah. nah. not. Leafs are not. I'm, look, no disrespect to the Toronto Maple Leafs. They held their own against the, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. They did everything they could and threw pretty much everything but the kitchen sink against those guys, and they still lost in that game seven. They're not being the Colorado Avalanche. I understand they had the regular season game. They could go back on that. They also had that like crazy like A3 game or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, they did have an A3 game. Someone will put that in the comments. They're not being the Colorado Avalanche in the Stanley Cup final, if that was the case. You see what they did today? Did you did you not see what game one looked like? They not beating them. Nope. No, it not ain't happening. Not. not right no, now. It ain't happening. No, no sir. I think- I think they would have beat the teams that Tampa Bay beat on the path to here, but it would have been a spectacular ass kicking tonight if that if Toronto would have, would have got to this point. Like it would have been, you know, in Space Jam when Michael Jordan strikes out and the guy said, yeah, at least you make missing look good. That's what Toronto would have done. They would have made a 7-1 loss look good in this game. Yo, they would have locked up Austin Matthews down. Oh, they would, have locked, they would have locked him down. I think they would have done so. Mitch Marner, I think he would have had some issues as well. I People get dumping on John Tavares. You know what I sometimes do? I sometimes look at those old YouTube videos from like four years ago when everyone was so happy that John Tavares joined. Why is it that everyone just kind of turned around on John Tavares all of a sudden? People are trying to want him out. You know how people were crying about the bed sheets four years ago? They're all like, get this man out of this city. <laughs> Can you imagine him in that Stanley Cup final against Colorado? Hell no. Nah. The Avalanche are winning that damn series in five or six games. Yeah, it might even be four, honestly. Yeah. But let's not talk about Toronto. I, I know we, we brought that up. Concludes 20... <laughs> that concludes Leafs Corner. Concludes Leafs Corner. Andrew's Leafs History Corner. Failure. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> we brought up 2011 and the Bruins. There was, a, there was a, meant, a comment in the stream chat at the very beginning of the show that I wanted to get back to at some point, which was, 
Burkowski's OT winner in game one here was the fastest OT winner in the Stanley Cup finals since Alex Burroughs in 2011 against the Boston Bruins. Oh. So it reminded me of a piece of trivia. For any Vancouver Canucks fans who happen to be here, I'm sorry, I'm going to ruin your day. No team in NHL history has ever lost in the Stanley Cup final in seven games. No team who's ever won or not won a cup before. So no team that has no history of winning cups, except for the Vancouver Canucks, who've done it twice. (laughs) Game seven losses in the Stanley Cup final. They're the only team to never win to do it. How sad. Oh, that's wow. tough for Vancouver, man. Can I bring up another stat that actually it. has to do with Andre Vasilevsky? Uh, just pull this up because the athletic just tweeted this. Andre Vasilevsky in game ones this postseason, a one and three record, a 3.99 GAA, and an 8.84 save percentage. That is his record in game ones throughout the playoffs. And games, games two through seven in the playoffs, 11 and three, 1.9 GAA. And a nine three nine save percentage, a little bit different, very right. different games two <laughs> through seven. That's yeah. another reason why I think the Lightning are, are going to win game two. Yeah, there was a Leafs fan in the chat earlier as well that was saying that uh, the the tough thing about Tampa is they play like a different team in games five through seven. So Colorado Avalanche got to lock this down early to avoid yeah. Yeah, late man. series Lightning because they are a scary, scary monster. Yeah, they got to bury them. I, I think. They've sh- Toronto has shown this where they could they they were doing the back and forth with them. Uh, the New York Rangers had a two zero series lead. If you're Colorado, if you're Jared Bednar right now, with the one zero series lead that you have, game two we we're talking about how much of a must win it is for for Tampa. You can make the argument it's a must win for Colorado because again, any opportunity for Tampa, they will rise at the occasion and they will find a way to battle back in a game or a series and find a way to win. If you're Colorado and you have an opportunity to put the reigning cup champion on the ropes, you have to take that shot. I think if you're game two, you have to make this a must win and you cannot rest on your laurels. It has to be a win. Yeah, well, I mean, think about it. Like guys up off the mat. No, but this is a Tampa Bay team that just a couple of weeks ago lost back-to-back playoff games for the first time since the guy in this painting over my shoulder, Kawhi Leonard, was still with the Raptors. Like it, it, this team just this team just does not lose back-to-back games. So like the, the all this uh, cliches about championship pedigree that this team what those cliches are about they are incredible in these types of situations and a lot of it stems from that goalie who is kind of charting out his own legacy in this series as well. Hundred percent. All right, guys. Was there anything else that you noticed in this game? I I've got a couple things written down, but I don't know if they're like big topics or anything. Like Nick Paul, he only scores highlight real goals. Like, <laughs> I don't know who the hell this guy is. Is that a highlight real goal or was I, that just like Kemper played it badly? But it, he still pulled it off. Kemper and Eric Johnson played that badly. You, yeah. If you look at the replay and you see how Eric Johnson is like turning around, and he doesn't have him in front of him. He misplays that whole thing badly. Yes, it gets to a whole point where the puck's kind of loose and, and Darcy Kemper doesn't get to it. But I think the only reason why it turns into the play that it does, I, I think like Eric Johnson kind of overcommits a little bit and he ends up like having to chase Nick Paul. If he kind of goes back a little bit, he keeps him in front of him. Maybe it's a different play, but I, I think Eric Johnson unfortunately deserves a little bit of blame on how that play went. It was more of a broken play than anything. Yeah. It was a bit of a, huh, someone should get him. Oh, I'm not someone. Oh, dang. It was oh, kind of me. A, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just a step too late. 
All right, we'll do one last thing. Game one impressions for the rest of the series. Give me your X factor for each team in the series. This could be positive or negative. Someone who could swing the series. Don't say Nikita Kucherov or Nathan McKinnon or Kael McCarr. Give us somebody deeper in the lineup who could swing this series each way. Let's go Peter first. Uh, I'm going to say for, for Tampa Bay, it's Sorelli. Um, I, I think when you look at the kind of both these sides stacked up on the one side on Colorado, uh, the, this game will forever and always be known as the Valerie Nachushkin game. And Burakovsky scores the overtime winner. I thought Palat played fine, but I, I thought Sorelli, he takes a penalty that was a little bit soft, but it's still a penalty. Colorado scores on the five on three. And it was kind of, I, again, this game goes to overtime, but it kind of felt like that was the moment where this was Colorado's game. I, I think if he can kind of step up, he's going to be very important on the penalty kill because that power play is stupid good. I, I think there are a number of different ways where Sorelli impacts this game, where he's going to have to be the guy to, to kind of step it up here for Tampa Bay. Um, I look at what Colorado can do and, and I, I can't help but think of, of Darcy Kemper or whoever ends up in net, depending on how Darcy Kemper is feeling. I think for goaltenders in the playoffs, I think for teams, uh, it doesn't matter if you don't have the goaltender, you need to have a goaltender. And we all know going into this series that Andre Vasilevsky on paper was going to look better than Darcy Kemper or whoever the Colorado Avalanche were going to throw out. It's on Darcy Kemper to hold the fort and be solid as his team tries to do well offensively and tries to kind of maintain its shape defensively. I don't think the Colorado Avalanche necessarily need him to steal games against this team. They don't need him to steal games against Lightning considering how they play. They just need him to be solid. And I think if he can kind of keep himself up right, like that's – I think that's enough for, for, for the Colorado Avalanche to go forward. I think that's the case on Colorado and, and, and I'm with, and I'm with Peter here. Like Effie Sorelli, a lot is it being asked from him uh, to, to go up against the, the Nathan McKinnon line and to be good defensively. I, I think he is ultimately going to be the big X factor on the lightning side. Yeah. And for weird game for Sorelli as much as like he, as he looks good, he always looks good. He, a goal against while he was on the ice tonight, only the seventh goal against that he's been on. For in this postseason, he's been incredible defensively. So my X factors, I'm going to say Eric Cernak for the Tampa mm. Bay Lightning. Just mm. last year in the final, he was always a guy who was just throwing the Canadians off. And I, I look at him, he's so underrated. I think he's such a big part of that defense core for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think he's going to be a big part of this series. And the physical play that he brings along with the skating ability, I think is going to frustrate some guys on the avalanche as the game goes on. And for the avalanche said it before the series, JT Comfer, while Kadri has been out, JT Comfer has stepped up and I really liked his play tonight. I really liked his play the last series. I think he is a, he's having this moment to show how good of a player he really is stepping up in Kadri's absence. And like lots of guys are, but, at even strength, I really like JT Comfer. Yeah, Comfer, that's a good one. Lekkinen, uh, Nichuskin we've mentioned before, Burkowski the hero, Darren Helm has stepped up as well. Didn't even mention guys like Alex Newhook and, and, and Nicolas Obey-Kubel. Like They have depth on that bottom six that they can use at will. And it's it sucks that a guy like Nazem Kadri is not available to them, and it doesn't look as if he'll be available to them until later in this series. But we cannot discount how good the rest of the forward depth has been for the Colorado avalanche, especially in his absence. Like it's, it's, 
they have a really good team from top to bottom. There's a reason why they've scored 69 goals all postseason long. They, they are able to get goal scoring from every single line that they have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm also realizing I forgot to give my X factor for Colorado um, <laughs> in part because I couldn't think of one and just paused, hoping someone else would pick it up. Um, but I, I'm going to go um, Eric Johnson. Cause I, I think specifically when this series goes back to Tampa Bay, when the lightning are able to, to play the matchups, they are going to move heaven and earth to try to get their top line away from the McCarr Taves unit that we just discussed. And I think a lot of that responsibility is then going to fall on, on Eric Johnson. And I, I think Tampa Bay, um, is hoping it will be more the loses Nick Paul, Eric Johnson, than the shutdown defenseman. So I, I think he could be someone when this series goes back to Tampa Bay and they're able to take advantage of some of the matchups. I think he's someone who needs to not be able to be taken advantage of in those matchups. 100%. All right, guys. Thank you all for joining us on the first episode of Game Over Cup Final. It's been a blast. Happy Pride Month. We'll see you again on Saturday. Yes, thanks to Julian. Thanks to Peter. You know where to find them. There's their social media is linked in the description. It's linked in the stream chat. We'll be back with you shortly. And uh, this is going to be the best cup final we've seen in a very long time. If this game is any indication, I am so excited for it. I'm so here for it. Let's go. Let's friggin' go. We'll see you on Saturday.